0: Nothing against those guys, but like I've listened, they're boring as. F- That's what I think. They're f- boring. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. It is Thursday. You know what that means. Levin Black. Hi, Levin.
1: (laughs) I love how you keep changing this up now. You said you were going to have a standard intro, then you went away from it for, what, three, four weeks? Now you're back to it?
0: That's right. I'm like a Kyle Shanahan game plan in the playoffs. You don't know what the hell is coming.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess that's good because people have to listen to you three days a week on this network.
0: Yeah. Well, that's true multiple times <laughs> too. So yeah, I, I better do something to switch it up or people are going to get tired of me. Uh, you are not tired of us. However, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of your support. We are the fastest growing 49ers podcast on the planet. We always say, if you take the time to leave us a review, we will read it on the show. This one comes from Eric five-star subject, favorite podcast. Awesome podcast with real content. Love how no one on the show sugarcoats anything. Everyone tells it like it is, which is why I never miss an episode. I don't know why people hate on Rob and Levin for being negative. They just say things fans are too afraid to admit are real problems with the team. Love the Rob and Levin real talk combo followed by an upbeat Friday with who I call Mimosa Michelle. That is hilarious, and it is a nickname that she has earned. Uh, Keep up the great work with everyone, and hopefully the 49ers can finish the job this year. Thank you very much. See, so some people like us. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, I I didn't realize I was tied into your whole negativity thing.
0: Here's the thing. I haven't said anything negative about this team in 11 weeks. What could you say that's negative at this point? Nothing, really. (laughs) I mean, it's absurd that they are on this win streak 11 weeks in a row. That's crazy to me. So, I mean, Vish brought it up on Monday and I appreciated it. I've been nothing but positive because if you can't be positive now, you'll never be positive.
1: (laughs) That's uh, probably true. Uh, Like the the most, uh, it's not even negative, but like non-positive stuff out there gets ignored. Like, I've seen some media members try to start the whole Jimmy Garoppolo might come back BS, you know, like not come back this season. I mean, like next season, it's like, that's not happening. Get get out of here. Like it's a, it's a dead horse at this point. Stop beating it. Let it go.
0: Well, it just doesn't make any sense given the fact that he got hurt again and Brock's played right. so well. And he's so bad well, and somebody
1: will pay him for a starting gig. Probably. Right. But it's like, yeah, but it, it, it's just like the only thing they have to get like controversial and try to like oh i gotta
0: read this is crap in the future there's nothing right now it's true because i mean it's it's weird to say but like there is nothing life is really 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 damn good i said something on twitter that was not necessarily positive but definitely not negative although people seem to be treating it like it's negative i have said from the beginning and continue to say That I'm not all in, sold 100% on Brock Purdy yet. That I'm still in wait and see mode. I'm not making any definitive statements one way or the other, good or bad. And people are coming at me like I, you know, like I pooped on Brock Purdy's lawn. (laughs) Uh, I
1: I don't know. I, I think we're further down the line than. Well, we'll just wait and see. You know what I mean? I, I look at it as we have bought Purdy but we have a receipt and could return it later. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a fi- all sales final, you buy it as is. I, that's how I look at it. Like he he's done so incredibly well that it's mind-boggling and he is setting NFL records that you definitely bought him. Like he did enough to where you wanted to purchase that. You just you're keeping that receipt though because in the back pocket you have another young quarterback that Hey, we don't want to go all in just yet on this person. It's only seven games. There have been quarterbacks in this league that come out. Even as rookies, they don't look at quite as good as Purdy, but they look good. And you think, wow, this guy's going to be something.
0: And three years later, they're traded for a fifth round pick. <laughs> yeah. I would say this, even if Lance was playing and i people can choose not to believe me. I can't really control that. I, I, want to wait 2 years before i really say 100% for sure i think this guy is really good for a couple reasons one nfl history is littered with guys that have had a good year one good year and then they come back the next year where defenses have had a whole offseason to study them and study their tendencies and see everything how they're used and then all of a sudden they don't look as good and that happens all the time Go Google Josh Freeman stats. Okay. (laughs) Look at his rookie year and look at the rest of his career. So to me, it would be anybody. Lance, Purdy, whoever you want to throw back there. I am not going to be 100% sold, like ready to buy the jersey until two years. And that's just how I look at it. And and I'm sorry if people think that's mean or like doubting Brock Purdy. It's just, that's just me as an NFL fan, as somebody that has watched the sport for, for multiple decades now.
1: I mean, I, I think a really recent example is look how quickly it fell apart for Baker Mayfield. You know, two years ago, everybody was kind of all in on that. You know, number one pick. Oh, look, he actually looked apart. He's going to be really good. And then he had a season that wasn't so great. And he gets traded before they even get another year. And that was the number one pick. Like, things happen. But I will and he say set this. the
0: rookie record
1: for touchdown passes in a season. Right. Which Purdy would probably have said if he got to start all year. <laughs> True. Uh, But, you know, speaking of Purdy, I did have a thought uh, because I've been getting kind of really annoyed this week where suddenly it seems like the narrative is Purdy deserves no credit. It's all Kyle Shanahan and that he's surrounded by superstars. And, you know, you see stats thrown out there of, oh, he's throwing to wide open people more than anybody else. Things like that, which, yeah. Those certainly help, but I, I got a couple things on that. First off, there's another quarterback in recent history that had a dynamite head coach and a ridiculous supporting cast and came out lighting the world on fire Patrick Mahomes. He had Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt was the running back. That was a loaded team. He came out, he won MVP his first year starting. In his first seven starts, which includes his start in the final week of his rookie year he had 20 touchdowns to five interceptions total 20 total touchdowns that includes rushing brock purdy through seven starts has 18 touchdowns to three interceptions so patrick (laughs) mahomes literally won an mvp in that year and purdy is off to arguably a better start he has less overall touchdowns barely but he he has a six to one ratio instead of a four to one that mahomes had like That's the type of start he's off, which we're not saying. I don't think they're comparable because Mahomes not only did that with the supporting cast, but physical talents, he's off the charts. Right, the way he does it. He doesn't have the upside to be a game wrecker by himself. You know what I mean? He's not a Josh Allen. He's not a Patrick Mahomes. He's not even a, 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 a Justin Herbert. He's not somebody that when everything else is broken, he is just so damn good it doesn't matter that's not what he is but he has shown enough that he is certainly as intriguing of a young player as you're going to
0: get i think that's the way you put it it's a really interesting statistical comparison i knew you were going to go mahomes but i didn't realize the numbers were were that close like they are and like here's the other thing they still count the touchdowns are still worth six points even if kyle schemes it open or if brock you know scrambles away from eight people and throws a touchdown pass it doesn't matter so like and Purdy did it with one game in the playoffs. Like all of Mahomes' first seven were regular season games, right? I mean, Mahomes did throw 50 touchdowns his first year as a full time right. starter, which is insanity. <laughs> but no, like I, I think it's both. Like we have trouble with this as right. as the fandom, as NFL watchers. Two things or multiple things can be true at the same time. Is a lot of it due to Kyle Shanahan's scheme? Yup. Is a lot of it due to the guys around him being yak monsters? Yup. And is a lot of it due to Brock Purdy, especially in the red zone where Kyle's offense has struggled in the past, using his mobility and his creativity to find plays that are not there outside of structure? Yup. It's all three of those things. Right. So, So the other
1: part of the reaction that I have and the part that's really been bothering me is if you're, if you're somebody out there uh that is saying well it's not Brock Purdy it's Kyle Shanahan and the superstars if you want to believe that i can see your logic you know i'm not mad at so much i just don't agree but if you're saying that there's an undeniable other thing that you must believe and if you don't believe it then you're just full of bullshit and that would be you must think Jimmy Garoppolo is a terrible quarterback right because Garoppolo was not doing this and he had the same coach the same players around him he wasn't hitting the wide open guys we saw even this season when garoppolo was playing much better than he has there were still people reviewing game film and going well yeah you hit the five yard easy route here but look Ayuk was open 20 yards down the field or jennings was open 20 yards down the field garoppolo doesn't see those it is a skill to be able to read a defense anticipate and find the open guy there are more quarterbacks i would argue in the nfl not capable of doing that than there are quarterbacks that are capable
0: of doing that. That is a skill. 100%. Brock looks at the field deep to shallow. I think it's pretty clear at this point Jimmy was the opposite. He would look at who is the first open guy as close to me as possible, and he would go there with the ball, even if there might be a bigger play down the field. Now, some of that may be the fact that Kyle Shanahan just ripped into him about turnovers. That could be true, too. but Brock. Is seeing the open guy, he's hitting the open guy. And we have not always had that at quarterback for the 49ers. So I'm just it, it you
1: just you can't say, well, Purdy doesn't really deserve much or any of the credit and think Garoppolo is a good quarterback or even an average starting caliber quarterback. Those two things cannot go together. You cannot think Garoppolo deserves a chance to start next year and Purdy deserves no credit for what's happening because Groplo was not able to achieve this. Uh, Bethard, who is a backup who is lasting in the NFL, was not able to achieve this. Nick Mullins, who is a backup on a playoff team, was not able to achieve this. Purdy is the only one of all the quarterbacks. There's what, been, I want to say six different starting quarterbacks, maybe seven under Kyle Shanahan. None of them have been able to achieve what Purdy has. None of them have been able to find the open people like Purdy has. So there is a difference here.
0: I completely agree with you. And I'm trying to find the tweet and I can't remember who it was, but their point was like, is, is Brock thrown open guys? Yeah. But every offensive coordinator or head coach that calls plays is trying to design plays that scheme guys open. Andy Reid is doing it. Kyle Shanahan is doing it. Brian Dayball is doing it for Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the goal of the whole week of preparation so, it's not like Kyle Shanahan is the only one doing this. Although, I did tweet out a stunning number from Next Gen Stats from last week, which was a third of Brock Purdy's attempts went to targets who were open by at least five yards. Like, that is an insanely high number for any quarterback to be open by 15 feet in the NFL. That's crazy. I think yeah, part I of mean, it is some of those are like,
1: He avoids the rush, and now Eli Mitchell's touchdown, for instance, would have been one of those passes. That one counts. Well, Purdy made that play happen.
0: Agreed. It's not, And that's what I was going to say, too. It's not all Kyle scheming it open. But I do think that coaches can go and play callers can go on hot streaks, too. And I think that maybe Kyle's on a little bit of a heater right now.
1: This is the thing that I would be willing to take a stance on when it comes to Purdy in terms of what I what I think he definitely is so far. I think he definitely has two elite skills. One of those is the ability to avoid sacks in the pocket. He's near the top at that. You know, he's not quite Josh Allen. I don't think he has the size to break a tackle. He's just very good at avoiding tackles. Um, but the other one and i think joe staley last week with us touched on this he anticipates extremely well because he sees the field and he sees plays developing very early because he sees it exactly as kyle shanahan sees it which means there's a perfect match there where he kyle is calling something and kyle is so good at it that he has a pretty good idea of what's going to happen and who's going to be open and purdy sees it the same way so he's able to anticipate and see and know that split second sooner that this guy is likely going to be open. I think he does a very good job of reading what the defense is doing and knowing the scheme of the offense and what's going to end up happening because of what the what the scheme is going to do to manipulate that defense. I think he's an elite level at that. Everything else, jury's out. You know, obviously physical tools, he's never going to be above average in terms of arm strength and all that, and that's going to limit him. That's why he doesn't have the upside to get to a Mahomes get to a Josh Allen level. He will never be able to get to that level. But because he has elite level anticipation, which by the way, I would say is the most important stat or skill set of any for a quarterback is the ability to read defense on the fly and be a split second ahead of everybody else. But then also the ability to avoid sacks is a massive swing. You know, that one or two sacks that he avoids a game, it represents at least a field goal a game. You know, it's at least one drive that would have ended. You know, we saw it with Jimmy Garoppolo where offense is moving, sack. Now we're screwed because we're behind on the sticks. So I think one field goal game, three-point swing, even if that's all it is, that's massive. In terms of win percentages, that's a massive swing, three-point swing.
0: And I think it could come in handy this week, obviously, against the Cowboys team that can absolutely rush the passer. Uh, there's going to be times where they're going to need Brock to make plays. And and that's the other thing, too, is like there are, even if you have the best offensive line in the league, there are going to be plays where you lose some battles. Trent Williams doesn't win every single rep. He wins like 98% of them, but that still leaves 2% where he gets beat, right? Or allows a pressure. If Brock can evade and escape on those plays that are supposed to be quote-unquote losses by your team, that it's massive because there aren't going to be that many of those in the game. And you're totally right about seeing the field. And you're right. Joe Staley did say that, and by the way, uh, we did try and get Joe back on this week. We couldn't work it out schedule wise. Uh, so we're hopeful that if the Niners win again, we can try one more time. But uh, we did try with Joe just, you know, wasn't in the <coughs> cards for Two us more this times. week. Yeah, that's true. Um, (laughs) I was texting with somebody that writes about the 49ers, and I don't want to say their name because I didn't ask permission to give it. So so I won't spoil the name. But I was making the point that you just made about Staley, how Brock sees the game that way. And this person's response was Brock sees the game like Kyle tells him to see the game. And I thought that was interesting, and I thought that was a 1,000% correct.
1: Right, and I think... That is also a thousand percent what the disconnect was between Jimmy and Kyle. And what you know. You said it many times, you used to always uh, say that, that it just feels like there's, a, there's always been a disconnect between these two, that they're never quite on the same page. And it's because Jimmy Garoppolo does not see the field and see plays developing in the same manner that Kyle does. There's a difference of, I don't know if you want to call it philosophy or, or what you want to call it, but there's a fundamental difference at the core of who they are that was never going to be rectified.
0: Remember earlier this year where Jimmy said it a couple of times, he said, Kyle and I are starting to speak the same language. And we were all right. like, what the hell does that mean? I think that's what he was talking about. I think what Jimmy was saying there maybe is that they were finally starting to to begin to see the game the same way uh, because Jimmy, you know, seemed like he was playing at least a little better than he had in years past. But then, of course, he got hurt and Brock came in and like they are just that like like that person said, Brock sees it exactly the way Kyle wants him to see it. And when you have that, you have what we have seen. I mean, they didn't even play that well offensively against the Seahawks and they put up 41 points like the Cowboys had the best game of their lives against the Buccaneers and they didn't put up 41 points. So, you know, like just keep that in mind as we look ahead to this week.
1: I think the niners are going to be able to score points this week uh the question of that game is whether or not the cowboys can score points as well
0: how worried are you and we'll we'll get to more cowboy stuff but just like how worried are you this week because i have said repeatedly i am maybe the most confident i have ever been as a 49ers fan right now in this week in the 49ers ability to win the game
1: i'm not on that line but i'm also not like super worried i think the niners have a, a, a very, very good chance of winning, uh, a higher percentage chance of winning than you would see most years in the divisional round. But I am a little worried because the thing that can undo it for the 49ers is also something that I think is a very big strength of the Cowboys. And we can get into all that later, but that's that's what gives me concern is that the type of things that the Cowboys can do are the exact ways that could could derail this offense.
0: Well, let's take a break because now you've piqued my curiosity. We'll take a break and we come back. You can tell everybody what the hell you're talking about. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, you you teased inadvertently. You (laughs) set up a perfect tease for me going to break. You're a little bit worried about the matchup this week because the one thing that can undo things for the Niners is a strength of the Cowboys. Please, I can't take it anymore. Tell me the one thing. Uh, well, I mean, you can boil it down to the simple part
1: of turnovers. The Cowboys are a gambling defense. I've said that multiple times with you throughout this season. And that scares me because, you know, even the worst gamblers get lucky on, you know, on one night a year, whenever, you know, so if the Cowboys get a couple of those turnovers. I think that that will be enough to unravel. And I think that's what it's going to take because I think the Niners are heavily favored, but I think it goes a little deeper than that. Uh, part of it is Micah Parsons. They have one of the, I would argue, three, four, maybe five defensive players in the league that can be by themselves game wreckers. And the fact that he has speed worries me because the one true negative that I think we've seen out of Purdy so far is an overvaluing his ability to get away (laughs) right we've said it
0: yeah you're not faster than most linebackers right and he's
1: definitely not faster than parsons so what scares me is if parsons has one of those games where he's a game wrecker there's going to be a time when he's chasing purdy from behind and i can just see in that scenario the Purdy's gonna think oh i have time there's no way he's caught me and he's gonna go try to make the pass and it's gonna get stripped that scares me the Parsons trailing Purdy who's scrambling scares the crap out of me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could easily see that. I mean, he he seems to have a pretty good awareness, a good feel out there. Like that play against Seattle where he starts out and he rolls left and comes all the way back right, that incompletion to Ayuk. He knew that that guy was coming at him and he knew he could give that pump fake to get rid of him that, and he knew he had just enough time to get the ball off before he was going to get drilled again. That, that, that one reminded me of Rodgers. You know, Rogers wasn't
1: super, super athletic, but he was athletic enough. He was a pretty good runner in his young days, but he had that knack when he's scrambling to manipulate that defensive lineman to get them to jump. And then he just kind of turned his shoulders and the defender goes by
0: him. So that was encouraging, but I agree. Like we're talking about a different cat in Micah Parsons, like a freak among freak athletes. So that's definitely going to be something they have to worry about. He does he has done a thing that a lot of rookies do, especially rookies with mobility. And that's break out of pockets that are clean where he doesn't need to roll outside the pocket. He usually goes to his left. Um, that is definitely going to be something that defenses pick up on and counter. Um, but that's not a Brock thing. A lot of rookies with mobility will bail out of clean pockets before they need to. I think he would be better served at times stepping up instead of going out to the side, right. especially when you aren't the greatest athlete in the world. And by that, I just mean aren't the best athlete on the field. Um, but he'll learn that stuff, too. You know, he's going to improve also.
1: Right. But it also goes deeper. I think not enough has been a made, uh that the uh, sorry, the Cowboys defense actually is really good at the things that you need to be good at to stop this 49ers offense. I don't think anybody's really broken it down. I don't know why. Uh, and by this, I'll just break it down. The Cowboys are fourth best in the league in terms of receptions to running backs. They allowed the fourth fewest receptions to running backs in the league. So they're very good. A lot of that is you know the speed that they have at linebackers and Parsons but they're very good at limiting somebody like McCaffrey. They've also only given up one, or sorry, no touchdowns to running backs receiving. So McCaffrey might not be the, you know, get out of jail free in this game. And what happens to this offense when that's taken away remains to be seen. But then you also go to tight ends, right? If McCaffrey's taken away, Purdy likes to go to Kittle. Well, they've given up the sixth fewest yards to tight ends and only one touchdown to tight ends all year. So they're really, really good against running backs and tight ends. Now where they struggle is receivers. So I think that's the key is who's winning that battle between Ayuk and Diggs and Debo and Diggs because they gave up the most receiving touchdowns to wide receivers in the league, 22 touchdowns to receivers. But like I said, Diggs is a big time gambler. So I think that's the big key and it plays into, I think the Cowboys recipe for winning this game is digs gets interceptions is that the Niners are going to have to beat digs. They're going to have to get touchdowns on digs rather than giving digs interceptions. So it just, it just gives me a little bit of worry that they're really good at do, doing the things that you need to do against this Niners offense to put them in a situation where they have to go to the wide receivers. And that plays into the way in which the Cowboys get their turnovers.
0: They actually lead the league in fumble recoveries, which is crazy, too. They have 17 fumble recoveries on the year. Yeah, Think and, about this. But fumbles are luck. And that, that's
1: been proven because they're not consistent uh, year to year at all. Defensively. right? But where the this ball bounces year, is
0: very big luck. In this year, they seem to be getting those bounces, at least so far. Think about this. Dak is leading the league in interceptions, and the Cowboys still have the second best turnover differential in the league. So that yeah. tells you how good they are at forcing turnovers. I didn't know any of the numbers you just said, so that's really fascinating to me. The one comforting thing, my my comeback to that would be they the Niners are just built to where okay, you take away part of what Christian McCaffrey does, and okay, we'll even say you take away part of what Kittle does. Now all you got to do is stop Debo and Ayuk and their right. ground game. It's like that's the waves of just playmakers that the Niners yeah. have to throw at you. Right, and that's what gives me confidence. You know,
1: like I said, I still think the Niners should be heavily favored in this game. It's just, it's not the same as, say, just this last week. You know, I didn't think Seattle had a chance in hell at winning the game. It would have had to been one of the luckiest games, you know, where they just get all kinds of bounces that go their way. Or maybe some bad reffing, you know, shocker, Seattle gets the benefit of reffing something like that for Seattle to win. This game, I think there is a recipe that exists that is possible for the Cowboys to win. And that that's the difference. And it just it gives me a little bit of worry because the type of things that they're good at are the type of things that play into that recipe.
0: And that's fair, and I think when you get to the divisional and hopefully the championship round of the playoffs, like you're going to be facing teams that have a wider and wider path to victory against you because that you're going against the best teams. Um Two other storylines that have been getting some attention. I don't know how big of a deal they are, so I wanted to get your thoughts. First, some people are making a huge deal out of the fact that the Niners have two extra rest days compared to the Cowboys. Uh, Mike McCarthy said it didn't matter at all. Kyle Shanahan said it didn't matter at all and was very quick to point out that we have seen teams in the recent history, including the Rams, play on the Monday night and have the short week and do just fine. So... I don't think it's a huge deal. I think it helps the Niners just rest up from a from a recovery standpoint, but I don't think that it's like some massive advantage over the Cowboys.
1: I think it all depends on uh, the team and their injuries. It can be a complete non factor, or it can be a huge deal because if you have somebody that tweaked their hamstring or somebody that got a concussion in the previous game, those two days can be the difference. You know, it just depends on where you're at injury wise. For the 49ers, doesn't make a big difference because they're as healthy as they've ever been, you know, in the last decade. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, For the Cowboys, they do have some lingering, but there's there's not any, like, huge, you know, it's not like Micah Parsons is, oh, he may not play or anything like that. So I don't think it's a huge deal this time. But I will say I do agree with the assessment that it's dumb that it's even a possibility. There's a way to limit this. Like, okay. Just as a fan, I don't give two craps for the Monday night football game. I don't think it should be there because I do think it's unfair. I think it's dumb to have. It's obviously there for monetary reasons. So if you say, no, we're not getting rid of the Monday night game, that is a must. Why the heck don't you play it where on Saturday, one conference plays all their games and on Sunday and Monday, the other conference plays all their games. So at best, or at worst, depending on how you look at that extra rest, it's one day. You limit the possibility. You know, so I'm saying like this year, all AFC games would have happened on Saturday. And then on Sunday and Monday would have been all the NFC games. So that that extra possibility of two days of rest is taken away. And each year you can just alternate. AFC's on Saturday this year, they would be on Sunday and Monday the next year so that both conferences get the possibility of that Monday night football game. Like, why not? There's no reason to not, not to do that. I, I don't get why they don't.
0: Because they don't care about equity at all. They only well, care about yeah, the money.
1: That, that is definitely true, but it wouldn't affect the money. That's what
0: I'm saying. Like, right. You, you could get still the have the thing. Monday night game. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, yeah, I completely agree. It's stupid that the Cowboys had to play on Monday against a team that's played on Saturday, but this is where we are. The schedule is the schedule. The other storyline that I saw is that Bill Vinovich and his crew are going to have the game from a referee standpoint. For those that don't know, Vinovich does not call as many penalties. He assessed 70 fewer penalties this season than the top penalty crew, which is Carl Cheffers. So if you remember last year, the Cowboys had 14 penalties in the game for 89 yards. They were huge penalties in the game. Uh, so this year, it seems like they're probably not going to see that many penalties, by the way, the Niners had nine So there was 23 penalties in total in that game last year. I doubt we come anywhere close to that this year. Do you think that's a big deal or no big deal? Uh,
1: no big deal because 70 penalties over 18 weeks is less than four per game, which means it's less than two per team. You're telling me two penalties on called on against your team is going to swing the entire game.
0: No, oh. no. He So it was 70 fewer right. than the top penalty crew.
1: Right. And that's over 18 weeks, which would be less than four per week. So they called less than four. They called four penalties less than the most penalties called. Correct. That's not a huge difference. That doesn't it. It, it has a very small effect, I would say, each week. And we have seen in the past where that's a storyline, something along those lines. Oh, This crew called the most pass interference calls in the regular season. I think we might have had that last season or maybe in the 2019 season. There was one of the playoff games where, oh, this team called the most pass interference penalties uh, in the regular season. And they called zero in the game. (laughs) So I I just I I don't buy into those things because I don't think that when it comes to the playoffs, I think the NFL kind of enforces their will a little bit more. They don't want to see games taken over by penalties unless it has to be. You know, certain times the team's just going to be stupid on a day and you don't have a choice.
0: Can I Or just be say, Seattle and having linemen run down the field. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> drives me crazier than people that get mad when referees call penalties at the ends of game. If a guy commits a penalty, it should be a penalty. In minute one of the game or minute 59 of the game? I only get one-
1: mad when it's a really ticky-tack foul that they weren't calling previously, like a pass interference where there was like the tiniest bit of contact or something like that, and all game long there's been more contact and they weren't calling it. Then I then I take issue. Be consistent, and we can
0: deal with it. So that's just my gripe on the referees. Those were two things that I saw I wanted to get your take on. Two more quickly. One, Debo Samuel told reporters yesterday that he has, quote, an extra chip on his shoulder, which should be terrifying to the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) And number two, this quote from Nick Bosa really raised my eyebrows a little bit. We've seen him kind of come into his own as more of a leader this year. Bosa said the 49ers must play with our hair on fire like they did last year. Quote, Arden Key, he's got those boys in Jacksonville playing with that effort. You see Buckner and the Colts kind of bring that, and we need to make sure that we uphold that standard. That, to me, is significant. He's kind of calling out the defense a little bit.
1: I don't know if he's just kind of trying to set the mood of, hey, we're going to come out and we're going to physically dominate them. Let's not take things for granted. Let's not play stupid. You know, let, you know, for instance, let's not hit the quarterback on, on a slide right before <laughs> a halftime. Jimmy Ward. By the way, he was mic'd up in that game. Uh
0: I I would pay money to hear that play. <laughs> I would pay money to hear the like minute after the play when he got yeah. back to the sideline. Yeah. Uh
1: but yeah, we'll, we'll never hear that. But uh I I I don't know. It it's out of character for Boza to kind of say that publicly, but at the same time like it's playoffs, he's been stepping up as a leader like uh, I I would say something like that has been a mentality
0: of the team all season. I think it took them a half to kind of get back into, holy crap, this game actually matters for something mode. No, yeah, They clinched the division against Seattle on Thursday night, and yeah, they were playing for seeding, but seeding is not playing for your life. It's It's yeah. just flat-out different. And Kyle kind of said as much, that basically, like, we're back in that mode now after the second half of that game. I think they're back in that hair on fire, like Bosa said, crush anything that moves kind of swarming type defense. And the Cowboys are going to come out early in this game. And they're going to want to show the 49ers how tough they are. They've been talking about it forever. Whole offseason they've spent trying to say how much tougher they are because the 49ers showed them last year that you got to be tough in the playoffs. So they're going to want to come out and punch the 49ers in the mouth. Niners got to be ready for that, and they got to be able to respond.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, the two sides of the ball, what the Cowboys are going to do, when they come out on offense, they're going to run the ball. I don't think they want to risk an interception by taking a deep shot. I think they want to establish that the trenches are ours, that we can push you, and that Zeke and Pollard are going to find daylight today. I don't I don't see them coming out and trying to pass. You know, you don't want Nick Boza getting a sack early, and now the defense is fired up, you know. Uh, and then defensively, I I would be shocked if they didn't, like, send the house on the first passing third down. You know what I mean? I, I think they're going to really come after Purdy, which may work, but uh, he's so far been really good at picking that up and getting the ball out.
0: The answers, we always say with Shanahan, right? The answers are always there. It's just whether or not you can actually find them in the moment. The only guy on Dallas's offense that I'm worried about is not Dak. It's Tony Pollard. Yeah. Tony Poward looks good, man. He looks explosive, especially compared to Zeke. Every time the Cowboys hand the ball to Zeke, you should be thanking them. That's a win for the 49ers. The dude, he's just, it's over for Zeke. They ran him till the wheels fell off. And he, he looks like a car with two flat tires trying to move out there. Yeah, he, he's Emmett Smith in, in Arizona. Right. Um, <laughs> but Poward looks explosive. He looks like their version of Christian McCaffrey, to be honest. Uh, I I would say he's more their version of Debo Samuel. He he's the
1: type of guy that when he gets the ball, he he's just at a different level in terms of speed, vision, and being able to turn a play where he's got five defenders in front of him into a twenty-plus yard game. You know, he's not a receiver, but he reminds me of Debo in terms of that. And I think they're actually very similar in terms of stature and size and all that. But that's what he reminds me of is that you get him the ball and just a tiny bit of space and look out
0: and the Niners tackling is, it's been spottier than it has been I'll say that I don't want to say it's been bad because I don't think the 49ers are a bad tackling team I do think that we are a little bit spoiled in the sense that they are is kind of a feeling of we're all sort of waiting for the defense to, quote unquote, like get back to normal. And we're thinking of the defense that we saw in the beginning of the year when they were giving up 11 points per game. I don't I think we got to realize now that that's just not a rational, normal expectation, especially in the playoffs against the best offenses in the league. So if you're waiting for the 49ers to get back to the okay, we give up one touchdown and one touchdown only defense. I don't think we're ever going to see that again. But that doesn't mean that they can't be really really good defensively.
1: Yeah, I mean the Cowboys are going to have their opportunities offensively. They're going to be able to move the ball in some drives. Uh it, it's going to be do the it, it's so cliché, I hate saying it, but it, it it's true. Do the 49ers get the big sack or stop or interception when they need it? Can they stop them on 4th and 1? Can they get an interception when the Cowboys have been driving and they're getting in the into scoring, you know, and they're in scoring position, maybe not the red zone, but, you know, field goal range at least, which I guess right now their field goal range, who knows what that is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't you just feel like that's going to come back to bite them in oh, the yes. ass, though, sticking with Maher after he misses four extra points, actually five in a row because he missed his last one in the previous game and then he missed four against Tampa Bay. They're sticking with him. Like, don't you feel like that might be a factor?
1: Oh yeah, it could definitely be a a factor. It certainly seemed like in that game that kicking is weird. It is unlike other parts of the game. Literally, the smallest fraction of an inch. You know, I'm not talking an inch. I'm talking like the head of a needle. Fraction of an inch changes everything. Can change the spin on the ball, which changes whether or not it curves. The accuracy kicking a ball is much harder than throwing a ball. And when that ball is oblong, that's even more so. Speaking from somebody that played soccer where it's round,
0: it's a little more a little easier to control. Wait, the ball's round in soccer? Ah, uh, yeah. Imagine that. Oh, thanks uh, for that <laughs> deep level of analysis that we could only have gotten from someone that played.
1: But kicking is very mental. And w- once a kicker kind of loses that and gets, if you want to call it the yips, it's normally game over and it certainly seems like he got that
0: it's going to be fascinating in his to see. head i know for for one that was one of the only reasons i kept watching the game on monday when <laughs> when the cowboys scored i was like okay let's bring him back out i want to see if you know if he can still do it there was that shot of Dak on the sideline i don't know if you saw it but they zoomed in on his face and he said go for bleeping two like he was yeah. done trying to watch brett maher kick extra points
1: yeah and Boy, I forget who tweeted it out, but somebody tweeted out, do you think Maher was doing this when Dak led the league in interceptions? (laughs) Took away scoring opportunities for him? Like, well, he got a point there. Like, hold your composure, Mr. Team Leader. Like, you led the league in interceptions when you didn't play in five freaking games, dude.
0: Well, I think that's part of the reason we saw that outburst. And you're right. it's, It's uncharacteristic of Dak to be like that is because I feel like He and McCarthy, and maybe more Dak, but I'm not sure. They feel the pressure. They recognize the moment that they're in. They know what everybody's going to say if the Cowboys lose again. Same old Cowboys. Blah blah blah. They they are aware of it. It is in their head, and I think that that is proof of that from Dak. Like otherwise, why would you were dominating the Buccaneers in the game? Why would you be that fired up about it? So I, I do think that, you know, let's say the Niners get up by a couple possessions, maybe start to get a little pressure on Dak as he start to feel that pressure. And then the league leading league leader in interceptions pops up instead of the guy we saw dicing up Tom Brady and the Buccaneers.
1: I mean, when you're America's team, quote unquote, and you're on prime time all the time, even when your team sucks, uh, there's a lot of pressure to perform. And that was their first road victory in the playoffs in thirty years, so it, <laughs> it, it's it. There is extra pressure when playing for that franchise. It's, I would argue, it it has become the football equivalent of the Boston Red Sox curse and the Chicago Cubs curse.
0: Mm, yeah,
1: extra but- pressure once you hit the playoffs because of the team you play for, because they used to be this great team and they've had this long now history of for lack of a better way to put it f***ing it all up every year (laughs) (laughs) because there's been plenty of really good Dallas teams you know the Romo years and you know they literally lost a game because Romo mishandled the snap on a kick
0: you know I talked to Lofa Tatupu last week who played in that game that was it I just wanted to flex a little bit
1: oh oh okay yes I (laughs) I knew that good job way to do your job
0: did you listen to the interview? You didn't listen to the interview. Uh, I saw parts of it. Not saw, but
1: listened and saw uh, you pumping it. And he actually was,
0: pulled from it. He was a really cool guy. Like, I really just enjoyed talking to him. You got to be cool with a name
1: like that. that that's <laughs> like an all-time <laughs> elite name there.
0: He called himself the smallest, slowest linebacker to ever play in the NFL, which I thought was hilarious. But, no, he was really cool. But anyway, Seattle is a distant memory now. But before we go, let's get your final score prediction. Cowboys Niners, what do you like? I do think the Niners, like I said, I think they can put up points. Uh, I think they'll find a way.
1: Uh, I, I think the ability to get Christian McCaffrey involved, uh, especially with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays, outweighs the Dallas defense's ability to limit a running back. Uh, so I think the Niners get over 31 again. I don't think they're going to be going for 40-plus but I do think they get to 31. And I do think that the Cowboys are going to get some points, and I think it's going to be closer than we like. And uh, I I think the Cowboys end up getting uh, at least a couple touchdowns, but I'm going to go with three with a a couple fielders. I think it ends up being 31-27.
0: I think it will be a game that we're worrying down to the the end. And that's normal for a playoff game. Like, that's usually how these games go. Like, just don't expect, you know – like last week where they're sitting starters in the fourth quarter of the game, like uh, those days I think are over, but I do think the Niners are going to be able to score. I agree with you. I'm going to go 31, 24. I think I'll go with that. Uh, I do think Dallas is going to be able to score uh, more than, than what we've seen. They do have a good offensive team. Um, But I do think ultimately the Niners will get some turnovers. And I think that even if the Niners turn the ball over themselves, it's not going to be the end of the world like it was with Jimmy Garoppolo because the offense has been scoring at such an impressive clip. They're at 37 or 38 points a game in the last three weeks. Like, one turnover is not the backbreaker that we once saw it as. But that's probably as far as you want to go, testing that theory. One, okay, you can live with. But I don't think the Niners are going to turn it over that much. I think they're going to get some turnovers from Dallas. So I'm predicting a 49ers win, which would put us in the NFC Championship Game 11, potentially, potentially in Santa Clara if somehow the Giants can knock off the Eagles.
1: Wouldn't that be a wild playoff? Uh, I mean, some of our younger listeners will not remember, but there used to be a decent rivalry with the Giants.
0: Yes, that's what Steph said on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, so you're literally, the only thing that would be better, you're going to go Seahawks, Cowboys, if it would have been the Packers. Like you would have had the trifecta of rivalries. But the Giants, right. the Giants aren't fall, far behind those three in terms of rivalry in the playoffs, because there were multiple years in, in those Garcia time, uh, years that they played against each other.
0: Well, first of all, the Giants stopped the three-peat when Roger Craig fumbled and Lawrence Taylor recovered it. So that's got playoff history there. You mentioned the Jeff Garcia, that era, there were some games against the Giants. That, that
1: might be the most controversial a big a reffing decision missed call <laughs> in playoff history yeah, where literally uh the niners uh pulled down and tackled a receiver long before the ball got there and there was no call
0: <laughs> i believe steve Mariucci said it best quote bummer yeah <laughs> um but then also obviously everybody remembers 2011 and the kyle williams game so right. the niners would have beaten the seahawks their big rival Then they'll beat the Cowboys, which there's obviously bad blood there between the Niners and the Cowboys and has been for years. And then the Giants potentially in the NFC Championship game. And then if you want to take it even further, they could potentially beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, who, of course, we all know beat us in 2019. So you're talking about a playoff run like of redemption. It would be wild to have that many games against teams with that much playoff history all in one year.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the other possibilities... Uh, in the Super Bowl would be the Bengals, who the Niners have embarrassed in Super Bowls. So there's a, a revenge factor going the other way, or the Bills, which I had this thought the other day that if the Niners play the Bills in the Super Bowl, I think the storyline is going to be the Bills trying to avenge, being the team that lost four straight Super Bowls and beating a team and making them the new Bills because it would be the third time
0: in recent years that Since the Niners 2012, have lost, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be interesting. I also, like, do wonder if the Niners had beaten the Cowboys in those championship games. Like, I think those Niners teams would have beaten the Jim Kelly-Bills team. Yeah, that was
1: during the period where uh, I think the NFC
0: won something like 13 or 14 straight Super Bowls. (laughs) Yeah, some ridiculous, crazy-ass number. But, yeah, no, this is a a crazy kind of playoff run as it sets up. Or, of course, the Niners could play the Eagles, which they don't really have a, a... playoff history against the Eagles, but whatever. Well, I don't care who we play, as I've said many times, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, of course, after the game, we will be live with you on the Instant Reaction podcast on the Niners Nation Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages, my Twitch page also at Stats on Fire. Are you going to be joining us for the divisional round Instant Reaction? I'm going to be insufferable no matter what happens in the Instant Reacts,
1: (laughs) because either the Niners won... And they beat the Cowboys again to squash their hopes and dreams. And I'm going to be an insufferable jerk towards them and their fans who were literally chanting after the game last week that we won Niners. Like, careful what mm-hmm. you wish for you. Well, I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> um, or I'm going to be insufferable and depressed because they lost. And now we got to hear about it nonstop from the most annoying crappy fan base <laughs> in the league
0: <laughs> that's true it's pretty cool. the seahawks and the cowboys to me probably have the two most annoying fan bases they're this.
1: they're the two they're the two different types the seahawks are the bandwagon guys that at this point it's been long enough where they kind of know football but for a while there it was like you don't know you don't know anything about the hasselbeck here so get out of here i, <laughs> I don't want to hear from you yet yeah, they were the loudest and then you have the cowboys who Uh, I think actually Jason Aponte put it best. They're the Yankees of the NFL. They're just, they're popular to be popular. You know, they're popular because they're popular. And there's so many fans there. The moment they start winning, they go, oh, yeah. And they put their star on.
0: (laughs) God. (laughs) Like, yeah, not to the Cowboys. If if the Niners lose to the Eagles, of course, I'll be sad because it's an NFC championship game. But it will be different than losing to the Cowboys. At least I'm old enough. For me, it will be different. I don't know. Maybe younger people don't feel like that. Do you feel like that?
1: Uh, I do. It's waned some, if I'm honest. It's not like when I was young, you know, during those Garcia years. I remember those playoffs where, you know, the Cowboys weren't good. But I think that was during the the Carter years for the Cowboys, (laughs) if I remember correctly. I think it was Quincy Carter, Mm -hmm. but they they weren't really good. But uh, it used to be I had two teams that I hated with an incredible fiery passion where I couldn't be around them during a game. And that used to be the Cowboys and the Packers because the first three years I watched football and were rooting for the 49ers, they played the Packers in the dang playoffs. And the first two years, the Packers won. So I freaking, they're, they're, the Packers will always be top of the list for me.
0: That's fair. I mean, they eliminated the Niners in the playoffs three straight years. Like, And we're talking years where the 49ers were damn good. Damn good. Yeah, Steve Young years. Right so i get that and jerry rice <laughs> like yeah some of those, those some of those wounds will never
1: heal man yeah. the quest for six would have been uh never a thing
0: yeah, yeah i hate that by the way i hate that whole i it, hope it's done it,
1: i i loved it during the Harbaugh Super bowl run i was like all right we can bring it back during 2019 and uh, now i don't n- now Nope. No, no, well, you can't have a quest that you've already failed twice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, first of all, once, once it doesn't work, you can't even bringing it back then it's cursed. Like you just gotta, Nope. It's not, I don't want any remnants from those seasons, none. And that includes that stupid slogan. So hopefully they get rid of that, but join us for the instant reaction show, everybody. It has been awesome to have all your support this year. I promise you we will keep trying to earn it Levin, I wish you, The best possible week that anybody could have from now until Sunday. How's that? Uh, I'm just wishing for a good sleep. (laughs) I've not gotten any in two weeks. You could have wished me a good week as well, but instead you were totally focused on you, shocker.
1: You think i give a shit about you?
0: And there it is. <laughs> Not only do you insult me, you make more work for me for oh, the yeah. button. And then I can do a lot more work for you if you want. Nope, I don't want. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. We'll talk to you after the game.